Honesty in politics, it's something voters want and look for. Considering the vitriol and abuse of the last few elections, it would be refreshing to have some, some more. Hello and welcome to the Unpublished Cafe. I'm Ed Hand. We're coming to you from a remote location and practicing physical distancing to enhance safety. Now, last year, the federal government introduced Section 91 of the Canada Elections Act. Free speech advocates felt it went too far. It could lead to a $50,000 fine and jail time for disseminating false information about a candidate, a prospective candidate, a leader of a political party, or a public figure associated with a political party. Now, originally, the law had the word knowingly removed from the text. Now, those against the law feels it brings a chill to political discourse. On the other side of the coin, those in support see it as taking taking on fake news. Our unpublished.vote question asks, should Canadians be responsible for what they say and transmit on social media? Yes, no, or unsure. You can log on and vote right now at unpublished.vote. Now, the law has been struck down in court, but we do not know whether it will be appealed. Coming up on the Unpublished Cafe, we're going to have a chat with Nelson Wiseman at the University of Toronto about what may be the impact as well. We're going to talk to Duff Conacher of Democracy Watch about his views on this decision. And uh, as well, we're going to hear from the voters and Fair Vote Canada will be joining us a little later on. But first, Christine Van Gein is the litigation director at the Canadian Constitution Foundation, and she joins us now. And Christine, how does this put a chill on political discourse? So, you know, this law is almost comically draconian. It includes a prison term and a fine of up to $50,000. And it does not require that the person who disseminated the false information know that that information is false. So claims like um, in the last election, Andrew Scheer is an insurance broker. Uh, we have come to learn it's a false statement about um, his professional credentials. And it was repeated by, by many individuals uh, unknowingly, and it actually satisfies the criteria of this law. Um, clearly, we do not want to imprison people in that circumstance for, for, for posting that fact. Um, likewise, people frequently say things like, uh, this politician is a crook. Um, this also could rise to the level of what that law would penalize. Um, you could receive a, a penalty uh, of up to $50,000 in a term of imprisonment for making a false statement about um, a criminal investigation or prosecution by saying this individual is a, is a crook or a corrupt politician. Um, and, and we don't want to um, criminalize speech like that. And when speech is infringed this way, People are less likely, because of the uncertainty of the law, to engage in important dialogue. That's where the deal comes in. Why would you not want to criminalize misinformation? I, that, that, to me, I don't understand that part of, the, uh, of, of this argument, because you're obviously making a false claim. I mean, right? I don't like false information. I think false, false, information. Um, false information, misinformation, disinformation are bad features of democracy. But we don't want to criminalize people for making mistakes. We don't want to criminalize people for making jokes. We don't want to put people in prison because they shared a, a meme on Facebook that was a mistake, that included information that was a mistake. And that's what this law had the potential to do. It's We heard a lot of concerns about it, uh, and that's why we challenged the law, and the court agreed with us. Misinformation, disinformation are bad. But, but so is putting people in prison for jokes and mistakes. Well, okay, mistakes, 
I, I'm a little a little eerie. But that's what this law. That. That's what this law did. This you know, law could could the, penalize people for making a mistake about these um, these characteristics of political um, politicians, candidates, or, or people associated with them. Um, it, there was no knowledge requirement that you know that the information you've published is false. Well, you know, in, in, in broadcasting and in journalism, it's called fact checking before you, you do anything. And I would think that people need to take responsibility for what they're disseminating out there, do they not? I absolutely agree. I think that people should be responsible. People should um, be literate, have political literacy. Um, we should encourage people to look at sources, to not share things that are, are false and misleading and silly. Um, but the solution is to, to that problem, which is a widespread problem, is not to, to threaten people with prison and huge huge fines. It's to encourage literacy, it's to encourage people to ask questions, um, to look at the sources. And there are things that the government can do to encourage that type of literacy. Um, using this heavy handed um, fist of the state coming down on people for making mistakes is not the right thing to do. It's a terrible policy. And it seems as though the court agreed with us. Oh, yeah, definitely agreed with you. I understand that. And Christine Van Gyne is joining us. She's litigation director of the Canadian Constitution Foundation as we talk about the Canada Election Act and Section 91 being struck down by the Ontario Superior Court. So from, from your perspective, because you uh, we seem to be meeting in the middle on this, the penalties to you are, are too stringent for pe what people are doing. Is it's not. Just, it's not just there. There shouldn't be a penalty for making a mistake. There shouldn't be a penalty um, for this. This without the knowledge requirement. That's that's exactly what this case turned on. Um, I mean, I have broader concerns about about censorship during an election period in general. But in this particular case, it was decided on the lack of a knowledge requirement. I think you cannot impose a criminal like what appears to be a criminal penalty, a, a term of imprisonment, and a fifty thousand dollar fine without a knowledge requirement. And if they had the knowledge requirement, then I guess you wouldn't have a problem with it. If if we had, a, if they had, if the law had the knowledge requirement, we still had other concerns with the law. I mean, I do still think that the penalty is enormous. Uh, I think it's very punitive, it rises. It, it's, it's really um, creates chill. Uh, it creates chill during a period when speech is most important. But in this particular case, the decision was made on the basis of the knowledge requirement. Speech is very, very important during an election, but honest speech is most important. I don't think just being able to say anything you want during an election campaign is, is, is fair game. Yes, I agree with you. But the question is who decides what is honest speech? Um, and I don't think that that is the role for the government. They don't define in the legislation what is a false statement. And I think that there's a lot of room for debate about um, what, what what is going on. I mean, we have information, I mean, the pandemic is a great example. You'll have at the beginning of the pandemic, there was information about um, about masking, for example, about the benefits of masking, and we were discouraged from masking. Um, we later were told masking is is incredibly important, and you know, policy <laughs> policy and facts can uh, evidence can shift. And I don't think that we want to put the government as the arbiter of what is true and what is false. I think that this is the time when some of these ideas should be debated. Is about about you know the evidence and facts. Mm -hmm. That time is during an election period. 
All right. Uh, Christina, I want to, I guess, wind up here. Do you expect there's going to be an appeal on this one? Um, I, you can never, you can never count, yeah. <laughs> count it out. Yeah. It, it's possible. Um, and of course the government may also amend, uh, the legislation. They may, they may change, reintroduce it, amend it. Christine, uh, I want to thank you for joining us. All the best. Thank you for having me on and say hi to Professor Wiseman. He taught me introduction to politics when I was at University of Toronto. Christine Van Gein is the litigation director of the Canadian Constitution Foundation. Now, the point of this legislation was to make people accountable for their actions and words. Negative ads are a turnoff for uh, the electorate when we need to increase engagement. Raelle Laverne is the president of Fair Vote Canada, and he joins us now. And, and Raelle, let's face it, voter turnout over the last few elections has not been great, has it? Uh, no, it's been uh, oh, it's been up and down. Yeah. Voters will turn out more when an election is is uh, really considered important. Um, so the 2015 election, for example, had a pretty good turnout, particularly from youth people, because people thought they were tired of the Harper government and they wanted to turf them out, basically. Mm-hmm. So turnout was a little higher. What uh, what is keeping voters away? Is the misinformation, the you know, the rhetoric, the, the 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 stuff we see out on social media, is that turning the electorate off? I think for sure. Uh, I think people are fed up with the hyperpartisanship in general. People uh, are responding very positively towards anything that looks like uh, improved collaboration. Uh, unfortunately, our current electoral system makes that very difficult. It, it encourages parties to fight tooth and nail for every percentage point of the popular vote that they can get because mm-hmm. a three or four percentage uh, difference can make all the difference between being in the opposition or forming government with basically unlimited power for the next four years. So, people, you know, the parties really fight tooth and nail and, and that affects the whole nature of our discourse in this country. Mm-hmm including lies and misinformation, of course. Well, you know, let's talk about Section 91 of uh, of the Canada Elections Act. And, and, you know, would this have been something that would address the misinformation or, or do you see it as too heavy handed? Well, it would address some of the kind of misinformation that we've seen in the United States. Uh, misinformation about whether uh, Barack Obama was born in the United States, for example. Uh, the way that the... Uh, Section 91 had been worded, was worded, would have made that actually unlawful. Uh, You have to have some sort of, you you could not not knowingly say that Barack Obama was not born in the United States unless you could prove it. I guess in terms of our defamation, our libel laws and such, are, are they stringent enough to take care of what Section 91 was trying to do? I'm not sure. I mean, if you have to go to court over every statement, obviously that's not going to happen a whole lot. Um, I think the way Section 91 was worded would would have created an extra barrier towards uh, lying or or putting out misinformation or uh, uh, confusing spins on things. So, you know, a little more of that would not hurt. Uh, ultimately, you can't have a democracy that's a working democracy if if voters don't know what's true. In, you know, and we are increasingly confused because of the barrage of information that we get because of our tendency to stay within our little bubbles, uh, and it's getting downright dangerous. Is so, this something you think the federal government should appeal, or just rewrite I think the legislation? They, they could either appeal or they could amend what they had. The when you look at the judgment itself, uh, they focus on that one word, 
knowingly. knowingly. Uh, knowingly make false affirmations or statements. Knowingly make false statements. The word knowingly was removed when they amended it in 2018. And then they went into more detail about what kind of information about candidates it was involved because the original was very short. It was just two and a half lines. It had that word knowingly. And then it just talked about personal information about candidates. All this is about candidates. It's a very particular type of information that we're talking about here. It's not all kinds of misinformation. It's very specific. Yeah. Um, so what they did, they broke that down. So I gave you the example of, you know, where was a candidate born? Uh, so citizenship, educational qualifications, what organizations they belong to, whether they've ever been charged with anything, whether they've ever been found guilty of anything. Those are the kinds of factual kinds of things um, that were made illegal in Section 21. And then they removed the word knowingly. And I think they removed the word knowingly because, well, how does somebody actually know, you know when they're making a statement that is false or true or how can you prove it? Um, it seems to me what that does, removing the word knowingly puts the onus on the person making the statements. Whereas when you put knowingly there, it puts the onus on the complainant. So that word knowingly had a role. If the courts have now uh, decided, at least the Ontario court has decided that that word is it needs to be there or something needs to be there, I would suggest it's too strong by itself and you'd have to qualify it with knowingly or unsoundly uh, making false statements, something like that. So you okay. put some of the due diligence obligation back on the person that's making the statement and the due diligence isn't or the you know the the uh, onus isn't entirely on the complaint it's got to be a shared onus oh okay interesting interesting well, I, that's, I, that's I, just my solution yeah. as i try to think this through that's the lawyers fine. obviously have a better way to do these things than i do but uh, to me just putting the word knowingly back would uh solve the problem i i i was thinking that you know if if 91 section 91 actually stood you might actually have more people actually lining up to uh, become a politician to to run in an election because they don't fear all the the hate, the vitriol, the the memes, whatever it is that comes with part of the election. Yeah, but I don't think Section 91 gets rid of all of that. It just stops you from making outright lies about whether the candidate actually does have a master's or doesn't have a master's or was actually born in Canada or not. And, and I'm not sure how much that kind of lying actually happens. You know, we see it in the States with the Donald Trump right. era has been outlandish, but here in Canada, I'm not sure how big a problem that is. Um, so, I mean, mm -hmm. sure, okay. uh, Section 91, I, I'd like to have it uh, if they can qualify it a little bit to get uh, pass this the uh, Ontario Supre Superior Court decision all the better I mean that could be I think it could be easily done by putting uh, knowingly uh, or unsoundly end of story and then it would have to go back to the courts if the uh, if that foundation wants to go back one time another time but at least it would it would help the um, the law to stay in place for the next election Rael, I want to thank you for joining us most welcome my pleasure Raelle Laverne is the president of Fair Vote Canada. One of the reasons this law was struck down was the possibility of a spring election, and the judge did not feel the rules should stay in place with that possibility. 
Nelson Weissman's a professor of political science at the University of Toronto, and he joins us now. And Nelson, I, I thought this rule was brought into a improve political discussion and curb a lot of the social media smears we yes. used to, we, we'd see. Oh, do, that, you, do we have enough laws on the books to protect one's reputation in the polit political realm right now? Yeah, I think the, the law has worked well in Canada. I mean, we should just go based on our experience. We've got a free and independent media. Uh, individuals have access to the libel laws, defamation. Uh, in this particular case, I think it's been largely underreported. Can I say that? Sure. Or misreported and, and misleading in a way by giving a very shorthand analysis, uh, uh, at least from what I saw in the CBC. The, all that's changed and all that's happened is that the judges struck down one word in, in the Canada Elections Act, which was revised a couple of years ago, in limiting what people can say during elections about candidates and leaders and parties since 1908. Mm -hmm. In the year 2000, the law was amended. Uh, it's been amended a number of times that you can't knowingly disseminate false information about candidates. Like I can't say that you were born in Iran, you're a candidate, and I know that that's false. Mm -hmm. What's happened now is that the government and parliament amended the law in the, uh, uh, 2018, which says, which has dropped the word knowingly. So I might think you were born in Iran because I heard it somewhere. Should I be prosecuted? I didn't know that you weren't. Well, yeah, but and you've gone and, I, I but you've gone you and actually you know, spread the, the rumor. Language that if that were used in an election, it could hurt a candidate. But you, what you said is you, you've already spread the rumor knowing that you, you heard it somewhere. What about fact checking? Is there no place for fact checking anymore? Yeah, there's room for fact checking. That's what I mean. The media can, should fact check. I mean, look, if I hear something in the media, uh, well, how do you want me to fact check? I'm relying on the media. I just heard somebody on who, who's been broadcast. So if somebody goes on to CBC or CTV or wherever, or your and and pumps out false stuff, the onus is on you to fact check, not on me. I'm getting but, it from you. But if you're if you're going to uh, retransmit something that's uh, that's already already false, you know whether but you I, know it or not, that, that that to me is you're at fault. You didn't check on that first. No, no. How can I check? I'm relying on the media. Uh, you're the one who's to blame. Well, no, we're talking about something on social media here, right? So if you if you see one of these these Facebook memes on on social media, which supports whatever political angle you're on, you share it, but it's it's wrong. Do you not think you have some responsibility? Well, hold it oh, to begin with. When you when you say it's wrong. Uh, there's all kinds of debates about what's wrong and right. Uh, the AstraZeneca vaccine, mm -hmm. according to some authorities, it's dangerous, potentially dangerous. According to others, it's not. How should I decide? Both lines are out there. Should I be limited and, and be compelled to say that it's perfectly safe or perfectly not safe? 
And I don't think you're compelled to say anything. It's when you do say something, you have to at least do your homework, approve. No, no, your, no, no, no. That's Look, what I mean. Uh, okay. I can say, I can say that um, that Justin Trudeau is corrupt. To begin with, we can start having a debate about what constitutes corruption. Is he right. pocketing money? You know. So, uh, but if 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 I argue that Justin Trudeau is an agent of the Chinese Communist Party, and I and I know that he's not, then I'm liable. Mm -hmm. But uh, if I just hear it, you know. Right. So I, uh, I, I think our laws are okay, and I think the judge's ruling was perfectly sensible. She pointed out that you, the, the person who's spreading the rumor has to know, has to know that it's false. If you don't know that it's false, how can you hold it against the person? Intention is so important. Well, what, what I'm saying is if you – if you didn't know it's false, then you don't share it in the first place. Well, right? but personally, maybe that's because of the business I'm in, but I'm not putting anything out there without knowing the facts are there first. You know, I don't know. All kinds of things get out there. And what you call facts, all kinds of things are, you know, like you, you, you started this item by talking mm -hmm. about the reason this is relevant is because it looks like we're going to have an election this spring. Oh, I, I, I'm, I'm not predicting that at all. <laughs> well, I, I agree. I don't predict it either. But those are the kinds of things, hmm. you know, that, that comes out and there's all kinds of room there. I think an important distinction is whether you know it or you don't know it. And when you say that, oh, the onus is on you, no. I mean, how should I know what, what this candidate's background is or that leader's background is? I've heard it. If, if it, it's, where did I hear it? The party that communicated it to me is the one that's liable. It's going to be an interesting discussion, Nelson. I want to thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Ed. Nelson Wiseman is a professor of political science at the University of Toronto. While this law was struck down as unconstitutional, one group feels this is legalizing lying. Duff Conacher is the co-founder of Democracy Watch, and he joins us now. And Duff, I'm going to guess you do not agree with this legal ruling? Well, technically, I think it was correct, and I don't think the federal government will appeal as a result. Because what happened was the federal government um, took out a word that's key in terms of the enforcement of this rule, which is they took the word out knowingly. So uh, if you just made or published a false claim about a candidate, or party leader, uh, or someone associated with a party, and you were just reposting something that someone else had posted, uh, you could still be prosecuted. Even if you had trusted the other person was telling the truth and you didn't know for yourself and you were just reposting it. So taking out that word knowingly making or publishing a false claim was key to the judge's ruling. The judge did say, we need rules against false claims. They undermine democracy, they undermine fair elections. So it was great to see those statements in there. Um, just looking at it overall, the judge said, uh, you need the word knowingly in there. You can't be prosecuting people for reposting something when they didn't make it up themselves. I, I, I can understand that, but I also think that there has to be a little bit of, of accountability on the person doing the posting in the first place. If, if, if you know, if well, that's you don't where, know it's legal or legit or, or even honest, then 
don't do it. I agree with that. Um, there is another provision in the current rule uh, that shouldn't be there either. And the liberals really gutted the rule themselves with their Bill C-76 um, back in 2018-2019. Uh, you have to be making or publishing the false claim with the intent to affect the election. Well, both the chief electoral officer and the commissioner of Canada elections testified before the Senate, and they said, we'll never be able to prosecute anybody because you'll never be able to prove that they were intending to affect the election unless their post said, don't vote for so-and-so or vote for so-and-so. But if you just made a false claim about a candidate or a party leader, didn't mention the election at all, they'd never be able to prove that you were intending to affect the election. So that should be removed from it. It should just be a clear statement that anyone who makes a false claim uh, it's illegal uh, and false claim about any anything to do with the candidate, not just the limited list that the Liberals put into the law, which was a very limited list. Do you think uh, our defamation and, and libel laws are, are sufficient enough to protect a person's reputation when it goes into a, going into an election? Because we've seen no. a lot of the crap that goes on in elections that gets disseminated everywhere. Yes, and I don't think it is enough. Um, first of all, people can just apologize and get out of a libel lawsuit. So not face any damages if they just apologize and post something that says that was a false claim, which maybe no one will see, and that second post may not go libel, uh, may, may not go viral. Yeah. And so the first one's gone viral, the second one doesn't really correct it, um, but they can get out of damages just by doing that. Also, it takes a long time to go through a, a libel and defamation lawsuit, and the post may sit there for that whole time period. So what we need is, and what Damaskowitz has been calling for for years, is we need a new commission. Uh, it can't be the chief electoral officer. He's handpicked by the cabinet. The commissioner of Canada elections is only one person. Needs, this commission needs more resources. It needs to be fully independently selected. Cannot be selected by anyone connected with any political party, let alone the ruling party cabinet. And that commission should have the power to, to take these complaints, investigate them, and require social media companies to remove a post that is false. And even if we started with the rule just saying you can't make a blatantly false claim, that would clean up a lot of the stuff that's out there now and would help a lot. And with the penalties, people would be discouraged from doing it. And everyone knowing that a commission could get it removed in a couple of days uh, and it would be off social media, and your reputation would be tarnished with having lied to people to try and influence right. their votes, and you could be prosecuted, that would clean up a lot of this stuff. So that's why we need not just the rule, but we need a new enforcement agency. Again, it has to be fully independent yeah. from the government and any political party. Now, one of the arguments uh, also against this uh, this decision was that uh, the penalties were too draconian, too heavy-handed, $50,000, possibly five years in, in prison. Um, do you feel the same way about that? No, not at all. Uh, because we have this time period of six or seven weeks for an election. Sometimes it's only five weeks. And if those damaging false claims are not corrected during an election period, they can influence the outcome of an election. And you're highly unlikely to see a judge then reverse an election result based on someone making a false claim. It's so hard to prove, right, why people yeah. voted the way they voted. So you need high penalties to discourage people from even trying to do this, you know, and because what's at stake? Having power over the entire country. So it's not a small thing that people are trying to win. 
And the penalties need to be high to discourage people from doing false claims or any other dirty tricks to try and win an election. But again, the key is to have a frontline enforcement commission that has the resources to react quickly and make rulings before election day as to whether someone's made a false claim or not. And you have that set up, you'll discourage most of this from happening. No one will be able to stop the false claim that's made the day before election day that suddenly goes viral. That's going to be on the internet. Uh, But at least the person would be prosecuted and punished. And a key part of this is no more anonymous accounts on social media. If you're going to place posts that have to do with an election, you should have to disclose who you are so that you can be prosecuted. And so uh, that the agency can, the the social media company can remove you from uh, social media for making those false claims that are illegal. Jeff, I want to thank you for joining us. My pleasure. Hopefully we'll see some action from the government before the next election. Not just on this, but also we need a law that says no false claims by candidates to try to bait voters to vote for them. We need it on both sides. No laws, lies about candidates and no lies by candidates. Good and hopefully we'll, hopefully we'll get both before the next election. It would be a simple bill to pass, and I think all parties would support it. Thanks, Duff. Thanks very much for your interest. Jeff Conacher is a co-founder of Democracy Watch. Our unpublished.vote question asks, should Canadians be responsible for what they say and transmit on social media? Yes, no, or unsure. I want to thank our guests on the podcast today. Christine Van Gein, litigation director at the Canadian Constitution Foundation. Rael Laverne, president of Fair Vote Canada. Nelson Wiseman, professor of political science at the University of Toronto. And Duff Conacher, co-founder of Democracy Watch. And I want to thank you for watching The Unpublished Cafe. Stay safe. I'm Ed Hand. <laughs>